Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, good morning. Welcome again. It is great to have you here. Welcome to the North Coast. If you're visiting with us, anyone visiting the North Coast this weekend? Yes, and you came, it looks like today is going to be just miraculously wonderful. So for those of you who are here on regularly, um, and then I just want to, first off, I'm Trey, if you don't know me, howdy. Secondly, you may look around this morning and see new things on the wall and think, am I flying in the Millennium Falcon? You're not. These are our new acoustic panels. We're constantly working on how can we make it easier for us as we gather together, and Luke who's back at the back, he doesn't know I'm gonna do this, but I just wanna return and look at the sound desk back there. That's Luke. Luke, Luke is our production manager and oversees all of our production and sound and all the stuff that makes it possible for us to gather. And part of that has been these new acoustic panels. So well done, man. And I really do like it. It does make me feel like I'm in Star Wars. So it's good, it's good. And we're hoping that it'll make it easier for you to hear and easier for you to engage in the services. So this morning, we're gonna be carrying on in our Miracles and Parables series. And we've been talking about the kingdom. And over the summer, we're taking a little break and just kind of doing standalone Sundays talking about miracles and parables. But they're all miracles and parables that show the stories of the kingdom. And, we, and, and ideally, when I spoke to my teaching team originally, I said, guys, let's do a lot of parables. So far, the two people who are both sitting on the front row Stephanie, Neil, both of them decided to go with miracles. I was very clear. I said, the series is going to be called Parables. And then you guys came back with miracles. And I went, okay, the series will be called Miracles and Parables. Anyway. (laughs) But I want to do parables this morning. And because I found out from the rest of the guys teaching this summer, they're going to all do miracles as well. I'm going to do every parable from the whole Bible this morning. So if you'll settle in, you're going to wish you had that waffle now. Settle in for the next four hours. No, I'm not. I'm I'm joking. But Jesus loved to tell stories. He loved to tell parables. And one of the main questions we might ask at the beginning is why parables? Why did Jesus use parables to teach? Why did he tell these stories? Why didn't he just say things straight? And I think that one of the things that we have to remember is that we're dealing, when Jesus is speaking to the crowds that he's speaking to, he's speaking to people who have been told it straight for centuries. These are people, these aren't people, who, these are people, they're Jewish people in particular who, who have grown up with the, with the prophets and the, and the scriptures and the stories of the prophets and, and the, the, the Torah and all of the law. And that has been pressed into them since the day they were born. In fact, they're actually being oppressed by their own religious laws. They had heard the straight story, but they had never gotten the heart of it. In fact, the most learned and religious people in those crowds that Jesus was speaking to, the people who knew the stuff better than anyone else, had missed it the most. They'd gotten all the law, all the rules, all the regulations, but they had completely missed the heart underneath it. And sometimes we can make the mistake of doing the same things. Sometimes what we do is we just lay all the rules down. We go, this is what you shouldn't do, instead of telling a better story of what God intends for joy and hope in our lives. 
And this morning, you may be here and you may be online watching this morning and maybe you've never been to church before and maybe you're on a journey around Jesus. And I just wanna say to you this morning, if you're exploring and maybe this is the first time you've come or the first time you've heard or the first time you've thought about these things, I just wanna say, I'm sorry for the times that we have somehow communicated that this glorious journey with Jesus is about rules from a book. It's actually about a better story that you're being invited into. It's actually about a better story of what life can be when we discover what we've been created to be. Now, the disciples themselves asked the same question. They were like, Jesus, why so many parables? Why don't you just say it? And we can read that here. It's in Matthew 13. Let's look at this because this is the chapter of the book of Matthew that we're looking into. So it starts with this. The disciples came up and asked, why do you tell stories? And then Jesus replied, you've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. But whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and the understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. So that's why I tell stories to create readiness, to nudge the people towards receptive insight. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and still not see it. They can listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. And I don't want Isaiah's forecast repeated all over again. Your ears are open, but you don't hear a thing. Your eyes are awake, but you don't see a thing. The people are blockheads. <laughs> they stick their fingers in their ears so they won't have to listen. They screw their eyes shut so they won't have to look, so they won't have to deal with me face to face and let me heal them. But you have God-blessed eyes, eyes that see, and God-blessed ears, ears that hear. A lot of people, prophets and humble believers among them, would have given anything to see what you are seeing, to hear what you are hearing, but you, they never had the chance. And what Jesus is trying to say there is he's trying to say that even the most religious and learned people around, if their hearts aren't receptive to the better story of what humanity is offered because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, we can miss the whole point. Even the people who got all the rules could miss the heart. And see, when we hear a story, we're invited into it to be a part of it. It's not just something that's imposed upon us. And see, when your heart is open, everything begins to demonstrate and speak of God's goodness. Every story turns that way. I love that moment where Jesus says the people are blockheads. He's not trying to be a jerk there. He's just basically saying that, you know, humanity can be a bit blockheaded. And let me tell you, I'm a blockhead. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> just a beautiful moment here. Just want to hope we can all share that together. What's that? I don't, yeah. <laughs> he said he loves me though. <laughs> I love you, you blockhead. But how many times in your life, if you do know Jesus, have you been through like a really difficult time that you felt like he was far away and then looking back on the other side, you were like, wow, he guided me right through it. Because we're kind of blockheaded sometimes, aren't we? And here's the beautiful news about the kingdom of God. And this is why Jesus told parables. Because see, for a people who are blockheaded, he wants to speak to something deeper than just your understanding in your head. He wants to speak to the story that he's trying to tell in your heart. That's why when little children came, he said, if you don't understand the kingdom the way they do, you're missing it. It's not about our knowledge. It's not about how many scrolls we read or how many church services we've been to. It's about the receptivity of our hearts, about our hearts going, I know there's a better story. And maybe this morning, if you've come for the first time, or even if you don't walk with Jesus yet, 
even you coming in and stepping into this place, I know it's probably pretty challenging. Here's the beautiful thing. What Jesus wants to speak to you this morning is not a bunch of stuff that you've been doing wrong, but he wants to tell you what he can do right in your life and rewrite a better story of hope. And that's why Jesus told stories. You know, and my wife, Tori, um, she always is receptive. Her heart is always soft and receptive. So like we can be out and the moon will come out and the cloud will move in front of it and Tori will say, wow, the Lord is really speaking to me about how he's still there even though sometimes clouds cover it. And I go, I just saw the moon, you know? And that's because I get in my head sometimes. I get up into the science of it all. I look for the rational, the explicable, the explainable. But when I actually open my eyes and my hearts, and, and my hearts, my multiple hearts, I have mine and also the heart of a small animal. And I, <laughs> I don't know where that went. Forget that part. <laughs> when I open my eyes and I open my singular heart, I told you I was a blockhead already. What do you want to know? What I find instead of God going, this is the rule to follow, I hear God inviting me into a story of greater hope. Where actually he transforms me. The, the, the better story says, come join this story. It's your story too. And here's what else is beautiful. Parables were the mercy of Jesus. Instead of laying more burdens on them, Jesus is speaking to those who are ready to hear. It's such a gift of mercy. And if you've ever had the gospel crammed down your throat or beaten over your head with a cudgel, I just, in the name of the Lord, I say sorry. Because it's always meant to be for a heart that's leaning, a story that invites you in. And so often what we, and again, let me just speak to those of us who are part of the church or part of faith. You don't have to be a part of this church. You can be a part of any church. What we sometimes do is we make the same mistake. We tell people, here's what you should be doing, and here's what you're not doing, and here's what you shouldn't do. Instead of saying, come join a story of better hope. Let me give you an example. Let's take the Sabbath day, okay? Today is the Sabbath day, the Lord's day. And today, um, you know, I, I was in England uh, last weekend, and it was the, it was, we were there on a Sunday, and I was amazed because the shops seemed to be open all the time. And there was a part of me that was like, this is incredible, all the shops are open. But then I started thinking about all the people who have to work in those shops on a Sunday and who some of them really struggle to get a day off at all. And I realized that sometimes what we can do in a place like Northern Ireland where we are, we're very, we can be quite religious and our traditions can catch us up. What we can do is we can go, we should honor the Sabbath. Don't touch, don't play. How many people weren't allowed to play football when you were a child on the Sabbath? It's just the one, David McCracken. How old are you? David was like, I wasn't also allowed to run with my hoop and stick. No, okay, just kidding. I'm just kidding, David. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pick up. When I grew up, it was the same way. It was like the Sabbath wasn't a blessing to me. It was like a rule that I had to follow. But actually, the beautiful story underneath that, the better story, is that God looks upon humanity and all the stuff that we carry and says, I want you to have a day to rest and enjoy your family and me. So we can get out and campaign for winning Sabbath back or we can recognize what actually people who aren't a part of the church have recognized and they're standing up for workers' rights going workers shouldn't be forced to work seven days a week to, to basically afford to keep working. Does that make sense? There's a better story. So often what we call commandments, when we see it from the story, we see their blessings from God. And God is seeking to bring blessing again and again. He's always, always inviting us in to a better story. 
And so on that day, as Jesus is talking and these little stories, I'm gonna just do four quick parables that Jesus tells right after he kind of explains why he's doing parables. What he's doing is he's talking about the nature of the kingdom, but he's also talking about how we realize that in our lives. Now keep this in mind as well. When we talk about a parable, they're not allegories. And what I mean by when I say allegories, allegories are stories that are told that have hidden deep meanings. And part of what you do is you try to unpick the story and understand the secret meaning deep underneath it. That's not what parables are for. Parables are, here's the story on the top, and if your heart is receptive, then you'll see what's being said. So what we want to do is we want to say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. As we go to these stories again, what we long for this morning, dear Lord, is something that is more than just something that kicks in our heads, but something that connects to us in our spirits where our hearts are yearning for what you've designed for us with your love. Come get beyond our heads. Go deep into our hearts and our spirits as we look at your story this morning. So let's pick up the first one. The first one is in Matthew 13, just a little bit further down. Starting in verse 31, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of seeds, when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants, and it becomes a tree, so that birds can come and perch in its branches. Now, I brought some mustard seeds this morning. I keep them in my, in my office here at the church. I keep them to remind me of just how small a mustard seed is. And earlier we gave out a waffle. Speaking of the people being blockheads, we were giving away a free waffle with cream. And you guys were like, it's the trick. <laughs> you guys were all like Admiral Akbar, it's a trap! You know what I mean? It's a very weird Star Wars joke, only one person got it, but never mind. That guy really enjoyed it, he told me. Okay, I wanna give away a gift this morning, so I'm gonna give away a mustard seed, okay? I'm gonna give it to you, buddy. You ready? I'm gonna throw it right here, here it comes. Did you get it? I really threw one. Here, I'll throw a few so you have a chance. Yes. Yeah, you got one, didn't you? <laughs> That's how very small they are. Mustard seeds are incredibly small. In fact, <laughs> I'll just put some over here as well. Woohoo! People are like, ah! <laughs> right? Because they're, they're so hard to see. Let's go for everything. I feel a little bit like I'm doing some sort of weird religious ritual. I will bless you with these seeds. I will bless you. Oh, and who's our facilities manager got on to me after the first, um, at the 9.30 service. He said, um, um, listen, man, if we don't get all these up, we're gonna have trees growing in here. And I was like, what an amazing illustration. Here you go, some for you guys. That's right. Someone out there just put their mouth open and went, okay. Now listen, I have just thrown, literally, I, there's probably, I don't know how many seeds have been thrown out. But they're so tiny, aren't they? They're so teeny tiny. In fact, they're so small that even when I was throwing them, you couldn't see them flying through the air. That's why people were like this. You know? <laughs> and I'm so glad that so far, no one's got one in their eye because that would have really ruined this morning's beautiful atmosphere. But let me tell you about mustard seeds. First off, this, they are tiny and small, but they grow into a stubbornly mighty tree. And that climate there where Jesus is in the near Middle East at that time, a mustard seed could grow sometimes as high as 12 feet tall. 
And they were these trees that could take root in the most inhospitable of locations. Those tiny seeds would take root and they would grow even though there was like not much water and there was desert arid air and the wind blowing because they are stubbornly mighty though they're small. But here's the other thing that I see. It says that when, here's what it says, you can read it right here, which a man took and planted in his field. It's an active process. And what Jesus is trying to get across there is that the kingdom of heaven isn't something that just happens. It's something that we are actively involved in. We've got to plant those seeds if we want to see a mighty thing grow up in our lives. It takes that tiny, small seed. So often we don't plant because we're so afraid that we have so little. And that's exactly why Jesus went, check this out, the smallest of all seeds. But it grows into this stubbornly mighty tree. It's active. We have to do it. The great danger for us is that we just collect a bunch of mustard seeds, kind of like what I have. I've got a jar of them to remind me of the kingdom sitting in my office. What I should do is just scatter them all over the building and wait and see where trees grow. Owen, will you enjoy that? (laughs) But the beauty of it is that it's not just the seed itself. And one of the dangers that we can do is we can just collect knowledge and never actually plant it into our lives. We can know the scriptures from back to front. Trust me, the religious leaders who were listening to Jesus as he was telling this knew the scriptures from back to front, but nothing had been planted in their lives. It was just knowledge. It was just a collection. It wasn't something that was planted that could grow. And then when that tree grows, I love this next bird. Next part, all the birds can come and perch in its branches. Now, the original text there, that word that's translated as perch in the NIV, the word actually originally is more like the word nest, or another way it can be expressed is to take shelter. And you get this picture of this stubbornly mighty thing that grows from a tiny seed, but it creates such a big safe place that all these birds can come and they can nest They can find rest. They can take shelter. And what Jesus is getting at there is that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is so powerful that even when it's planted in an inhospitable place, it will grow into a blessing for everyone that is near it, whether or not they yet understand the kingdom of God. The measurement of our success And seeing the kingdom is not whether our churches get big, it's whether the branches of the God's hope spread across our community enough for people who don't agree with us and don't believe what we believe to step in and find the hope that those branches provide. Do you understand? The kingdom is so much bigger than just our story. It's the story of cities. It's the story of communities. It's the story of the the the, the North Coast. Our whole community should be blessed by these mustard seeds we're planting into our lives. And let me just make this clear right now. This is not some new idea, some kind of progressive social justice thing. This is right there at the very beginning as Jesus is teaching. This is right there as Jesus is going, this is what it is. It's always meant to be an expanding blessing, a tiny seed that expands and grows. And here's what's incredible. It is happening. The kingdom is continually expanding. Right now, if we listen to certain corners, what we'll hear is that Christianity is under attack, that we're all being persecuted. And I'm not saying that it may not be difficult sometimes for us to walk as followers of Jesus. But let me tell you this. Just like that little tiny plant grows in inhospitable locations and under difficult and is stubbornly mighty, the kingdom of heaven is continuing to grow. That movement of 120 people who were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost... 
That movement has now grown into 32% of the world's population. Some 2.3 billion people call on the name of the Lord right now. That's pretty decent growth, wouldn't you agree? It's extraordinary. And in the past 100 years, it's quadrupled. Why? Because God has always put the big deep into the small. We bring our tiny things and God goes, let me pour my kingdom on it. And again, when I talk about 2.3 billion people, I'm not just talking about people like us who are here on the Sunday morning sitting in kind of, you know, our cool chairs and having our loud music. I'm talking about people in Baptist churches, Methodist churches, um, Presbyterian churches. I'm talking about our dear sisters and brothers in the Catholic churches and chapels across this country. I'm talking about our Orthodox sisters and brothers scattered all over the world. I'm talking about a whole parcel of our sisters and brothers all across sub-Saharan Africa where the largest churches of the world are and the smallest churches of the world are. Every time I go to sub-Saharan Africa, you can find in every tiny little corner, and whether it's like a ghetto part or a village part, you will find a tiny room that's a church that maybe four people can get into. And what I have found over the years is that the smaller the church, the bigger the name. So if you've got a church with four people, your church will be called Let There Be Rivers of Healing Water Ministries International. <laughs> and I used to kind of make fun of that, but now I realize they get the mustard seed much better than we do. They're like, there's four of us. We're taking it international. We're mustard seeds, baby. We're going big. We want this to be a blessing for everyone. And if we as the people of Jesus, and if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, let me tell you this, here's the good news. This morning, whether you decide that you want to follow Jesus or not, he has blessing that comes when we allow his kingdom to grow in our communities. Isn't that good news? What if we told that better story? What if instead of saying you're in or you're out, we said, hey, man, there's enough shade here for you. And when you come and you find rest in these branches, you will find the source of who made this tree. Because the kingdom is ever expanding. Jesus goes on. Matthew 13, verse 33, the next story, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Now, I'm going to get some, I'm not, I'm not going to throw yeast at you. I could just see people going, no, it's hot. Okay. But again, what I love about this is that it's important that we see the nature of the kingdom. It's an active process. The woman takes the yeast and she has to work it through the dough. Now, 60 pounds of flour is a ludicrous amount. Would you agree? I don't, I'm a cook, but I'm not a baker. So I don't know how many pounds of flour does it take to make a loaf of bread? What is that? About two pounds of flour. Okay, and how much yeast does it take? <laughs> Just a wee bit, as we say. Just a wee bit, right? Just a pinch there. Just stuck it on there, right? <laughs> Came to the North Coast. You found out secretly. I'm from Northern Okay. <laughs> Actually, went online, and this is the beauty of the internet. I found a yeast calculator. <laughs> And what it said was this, is that for like a pound or two of flour, you need maybe just a teaspoon or two teaspoons of yeast. Just the tiniest amount. I did the math, because that's what I do around here. 60 pounds of flour takes less than a half a pound of yeast. But it has to be worked all the way through the flour. It's an active process. It must be pushed all the way through. In some translations, instead of saying she worked the yeast through it says she hid the yeast and the flour. And again, what it's getting at is that it's something that's put in there that you might not be able to see, but it's working under the surface. 
So often what we do is we confuse what the kingdom does with what we can see on the surface. So we look for the big, the popular, the powerful. But actually what God is looking for is what's happening under the surface and whether or not the bread's gonna rise. The great measure of whether or not this particular body of faith and followers of Jesus is actually doing the right thing is not how many people show up here on a Sunday morning. It's whether or not our city and our North Coast is rising with the hope of Jesus as it works under the surface. Let me say that again. The fact that there's a lot of people in this room is not a measure of success. Numbers are what we always look at. But the reality is, is that if it's not working under the surface, that yeast bubbling up into the flour, then we've just run a big meeting instead of built the kingdom. Does that make sense? And we often do that. The number one question people ask me when they find out I'm, I help lead a church is they go, how big is your church? And I always think that's the wrong question. It's not that we don't care about the numbers. We do. It's important to know how many people are coming. We want to serve you well. But fundamentally, the bigger question that I want to tell is the story of what God is doing on the North Coast. Not just because of this church, because of all the people of Jesus who are trying to take that little pinch of yeast and work it through. I love how it gets buried in the middle of it. Sometimes we might have been laboring under misapprehension that we've got to wear it, such a flag on our forehead that everyone knows everything about what we believe all the time, when actually what most of our friends and our community are longing for are people who live what they believe and it bubbles under the surface and it brings life. Because then when we say, when people go, why did the bread rise? We go, well, we've been putting yeast into everything. 60 pounds of flour working that yeast through. And again, I, I really feel like the, the, the thing that the, this parable, as I think about the nature of the kingdom, I think so much about my life and I go, am I working the yeast of the kingdom through every part of my life? What I do here on a Sunday morning is in front of a lot more people, but honestly, what I do Monday through Saturday in my neighborhood, trying to work the yeast into the flour of my neighborhood is so much more important so often because that's where the kingdom comes alive. And we want this whole loaf of bread, all of our communities to rise with the hope of the kingdom, the hope of the risen Jesus, not just the little corners that we inhabit. Can you imagine if someone handed you a loaf of bread that was completely fat, flat, and then one corner had risen? And they'd be like, here's your bread. And you'd be like, uh, that's not bread. <laughs> we want to see it in every place. In fact, I'd rather see our schools filled with hope than this building filled with people. I'd rather see the businesses of this community filled with hope, serving and blessing than I would our church growing in numbers. I'd rather see the neighborhoods of our community, you know, rejoicing and carrying each other's burdens than more people in this building because that's the yeast that works all the way through the dough. And Jesus makes it super clear. So if you feel small, if you feel a little bit hidden, good. Jesus is telling you we're like mustard seeds, we're like yeast, and we're working it through. And it also means that we've got to be active in that process. So in this, these two parables, Jesus talks about the nature of the kingdom, but what he goes on to talk about is how do we see it realized 
in our lives. As we've talked about in the series previous to this, as we, in our kingdom series that's on a pause, we talked about that we want to be people who proclaim the kingdom or present the kingdom, people who demonstrate the kingdom, but most importantly, that we want to be people who realize the kingdom, not just in our lives, but in our communities and in everything that we touch. And you can see that in these two parables, but in the next two parables, what Jesus begins to explain and help us see, he tells the story of how we can realize it. So let's pick up on those. Matthew 13, verse 44. And again, back to back, just two quick parables. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Now, at that time, if you came across treasure, and it was on no one's property, it was yours. But if you came across treasure, and it was someone's property, you were required to give that treasure to the owner of it. So what you would have to do is you'd have to go and buy the whole field, and then you'd own the treasure that's in there. So the people who are hearing this story, it makes sense to them. And again, you can see what Jesus is getting at because in many ways, this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came and he saw the treasure of humanity buried in this field called the world that was being ruled by sin and by death because of humanity's choice. And what Jesus did is he gave all that he had to not just rescue the treasure, but to buy the whole field. Why? Because he wants to bring blessing and re and that's why he's making all things new. That's why when we give our lives to Jesus, we don't just go straight to heaven. It would make salvation a lot more exciting. Can you imagine that? Lord, come into my heart. He gone. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But what Jesus does is he has with his life purchased that field, this world, and he has taken charge of it. At the cross, he broke the power of sin and death, and now we... And I don't mean we Christians, I mean we humans get to experience that treasure and it gets to be something that actually becomes the story of the field. That's why it matters how we serve our community. That's why it matters. That's why it matters not whether we're in this building on a Sunday morning. This meeting is important. But what happens when we leave this meeting is how the treasure of Jesus gets expressed across our field and our communities. He's always about that story. But here's what else we can see. We can see the incredible value of this kingdom, that when we discover it, that when we see it, it is worth going and selling all that we have to have it. And Jesus goes on and makes that a little bit clearer in the next parable, verses 45 and 46 of the same chapter there in Matthew. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now this is a merchant who's, it says is looking for fine pearls. So not a fine pearl, but fine pearls. This is a merchant who, maybe they're collecting, maybe they have a business, who knows. But in that story, what happens is suddenly their model changes because these are all fine pearls, but this is the finest pearl. And I'm gonna sell all the other pearls, everything else, to just have this one because it's so valuable. And what Jesus is getting at there is how do we realize this kingdom in our lives? It's this beautiful picture of actually, there's probably a lot of great things in our lives. They may be fine pearls, but the greatest pearl, the pearl of great price, the pearl of treasure is when we discover what the kingdom dream of God is because that is how we discover who we've been created to be as humans, not as Christians. We just, that's just a description of discovering what it means to be human again by being reconnected through Jesus Christ his life, his death, and his resurrection 
to what it means to be human. And when we discover that, all the other pearls, they're fine, they're beautiful, but nothing's worth that. It's worth all, everything. The incredible worth of the kingdom. And it made me think about the, Jesus talks about this in the book of Matthew as well, just a little bit earlier. He says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This idea that when we get rid of all the other pearls to find the one great pearl, all the other pearls follow. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about um, a story I heard about a, a, a businessman. He was a wealthy, very wealthy businessman, fabulously wealthy. And he worked really hard, day in, day out. He made millions upon millions. And then he took a dream vacation. And he went to this tiny little island. And on that island, there's this beautiful, beautiful beach. And he was just walking along the beach one day, and he saw a little fisherman pull up his boat. And he looked at that fisherman with his boat, and he thought, this is so crazy. It's so beautiful. It's so peaceful. And he called out to the fisherman, and the fisherman welcomed him over. And he said, oh, show me some of your fish. And the fisherman said, let me make you some. And so the fisherman cooked some fish for the man. And the man ate the fish, and he said, this is the finest food I've ever tasted. And then his brain began to go, and he went, I've got a great idea. Fisherman, I've got millions upon millions. I want to invest in you. We're going to buy a fleet of boats. We're going to catch millions of fish. We're going to open restaurants around the world. You're going to be the most famous cook in the world. You're going to be the most famous fisherman who ever lived. You'll have millions and millions in power and influence. And the fisherman went, for what? And the guy went, so that you can have money and power so you can do anything you want. And the fisherman said, what do you want? And he went, the businessman went, I want to live on a beach and fish. And the fisherman went, <laughs> why would I go do all that when I'm already here? And so often what we do is that same thing where we think if we can just accumulate all these things, we'll finally get the thing that our hearts are crying out for. But what that passage teaches us when we seek first the kingdom is that actually we only find what our hearts have been designed for when we search after that pearl of great price and we give all that we have to own it. You know, COVID has put that into sharp relief, hasn't it? You know, we're in a period right now they're calling the great resignation. Everyone's quitting their jobs because they're like, I work so hard to simply keep working. <laughs> and people have been like, I'll quit then. I'd rather do anything else. And there's this new hunger. Instead of hungering for power or money, we've just begun to hunger for peace and contentment, haven't we? Not just people in churches, all over the world. But the danger is, is that we can still follow the same path and think that the way we get peace and contentment is by getting everything safe around our lives instead of recognizing that the rest of Jesus only comes when we find his kingdom. And the beautiful thing is that everything else follows. If you're longing for real peace and contentment, it only comes from that pearl of great price, that treasure hidden in a field. It's everywhere and everything all the time. We see that. It's tiny, but it grows. It has to be worked through all the flower. It's not a Sunday club. It's an all-encompassing treasure of life that's in everything and everywhere. Don't limit it to just your spiritual life. Don't limit it to just a few hours on a Sunday. In fact, I would posit that the real work of the kingdom doesn't actually happen in a church building on a Sunday. It happens when we walk out those doors and we begin to take the yeast and work it through the flower of our lives and through our communities and our schools and our workplaces. And then here's another thing. It costs everything. It's worth more than anything 
and it deserves all we are and all we have. There's nothing so valuable. It's at the, the bottom of all humanity is to rediscover why we were created. To join in this process of making all things new. We just bring our tiny bits, our little mustard seed, our little yeast. And his big dreams for little people rewrite a story of hope. And lastly, I just want to point out this as we close. What I love about the story of the treasure, it says that when he found the treasure, it says, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had. When you read something like this, uh, uh, go back to the, to the slide right before this one, brother. The one about it costs everything. It costs everything. It's worth more than anything. It deserves all we are and all we have. Now, here's the problem. is that because we have for so long seen this from the wrong perspective, we can read something like that and go, oh, no. And it becomes a heavy burden. But this parable shows us this, that actually it's in our joy that we go. Why? Because you found something so much more valuable. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is for us to find the joy again. We talk so much about sacrifice, but here's what I want you to hear this morning. The good news is, is that you are loved by God. The good news is this morning is that it's a joyful process to lay it all down because what we're being given and what we get to give out of the overflow of what he's giving us is something that brings joy and wonder to all we touch. Room enough for all the birds. Let's stand together. This morning, just as we uh, close, I just want to pray for you. And here's what I want to pray for you. First off is this, is I want to pray for people who maybe are missing the joy right now. People who are hungry for peace and contentment. And, and in a way, I sense that for some of us, you, you've been fighting for peace. You've been striving for peace. And actually what I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do is to give you his rest and his peace even in this moment. So if that's you, we're just gonna bow our heads now, but if that's you, why don't you just put your hands out in front of you like this? All we're doing is just putting out our empty hands and saying, now, Holy Spirit, come. Yep, yeah, all over. So Holy Spirit, I pray for my sisters and brothers now. Lord, would you cut through all that stuff that we get confused in our heads down to the simple of then our joy laying it all aside again for your kingdom? Would you remind us of mustard seeds and bits of yeast? Would you show us what it means to embrace your peace, the wonderful gift that you've given us by design? So receive the peace of Jesus this morning. And last but not least, and this is for you online as well. If you're here this morning and <laughs> you're listening to these stories and you're thinking, actually, I want to step into that. I want to give you a chance right now to begin a journey with Jesus. I want to tell you that there's nothing more joyful than discovering why you were born, why you've been created, and that's only found as we discover Jesus and the kingdom that he is bringing into our lives and into the cities and the nations and the people around us. So if you'd like to begin a journey with Jesus this morning, if you've never fully surrendered to Jesus, if you've never given your heart to him and your life to him and your future to him, if that's you, people's heads are bowed, no one's looking around, but would you just lift your hand just so I can pray for you really quickly if that's you this morning? Let me give you just a second. I see you back there. The Lord be with you.
bless you. He's so good. The minute, so beautiful. Seems like such a simple thing, raising hands and then heaven rushes in. Anyone else? Anyone else? Wow. So Lord, for all of us this morning, I pray for my, my friend there in the back as well, that just that your peace and your presence would now come. Lord, thank you for the fact that no matter who we are, where we've been or what we've done, that you still see us as a treasure that's worth you paying all that you've paid on the cross. So welcome. Welcome into this crazy mustard seed movement. And Lord, as we go from this place this morning, may we carry the joy of laying it all down once again. Our little mustard seeds, our little bits of yeast for the wonder, the joy of your kingdom. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmichoostvineyard.com.